You're listening to the Movie Crew Podcast. Tonight we're talking about John Carpenter's The Thing. Our dreams, they feel real while we're in them, right? It's only when we wake up that we realize something is actually strange. The middle children of history, man. No purpose, no place. We have no great war. No great depression. They're coming to get you, Barbara. We're on a mission from God. All right, sweethearts, you heard the man. Pull him out. Come on, let's have him. I will show you where I have made my home while preparing to bring justice. Then I will break you. How great war is a spiritual war? How great depression is our lives? Welcome to the podcast. I'm Brian. With me tonight, Mr. Jeremy Benson. How did I do tonight's howdy? What? What do you, what do you mean, man? Well, I've got three answers. Hey, howdy. What's up? I don't remember which one I did tonight. I'm trying to remember. I don't know, man. Just just pick it. Just pick one, man. Why, why are you going to make it so complicated? Hello. <laughs> uh, and also with us, Mr. Paul Williams. What's up? What's going on, dude? Oh, uh, nothing, man. Ready to talk about some things, man. John Carpenter's The Thing. Yeah, so we're talking The Thing. Remake, 1982 of uh, Howard Hawks' The Thing from Another World. Based off of the novella by John Campbell, Who Goes There? This is the first time you've seen this movie? Yep. No. What, really? No. Okay, so everybody's seen The Thing before. Yeah, I don't don't see how you could grow up without seeing it. It seemed like it was on TV like once a week. Yeah, you you miss a lot, though, on TV. You miss a whole lot. This film is extremely famous for the, you know, the awesome gore effects in this movie done by Rob Bottin. They cut a lot of that out for television. And one of the reasons we're talking about this is Scream Factory put out a new Blu-ray. It also has the TV cut of the film on the Blu-ray, on the second disc. While we're talking about the Scream Factory Blu-ray, the transfer looks great. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah. The last time I saw the thing, shit, back in the 90s, and I saw it on VHS. That's a little bit of an upgrade there. Yeah, hell of a lot of an upgrade. I've owned this on every phone. I've owned every copy of this movie ever. Did you put have out. The, the beta and the laser disc? Did not have a beta. Betas were kind of out in our house by the time I was able to, to even watch a movie like this, though. <laughs> so, because I didn't see this until like 91, 92. I wonder if it was ever put out on beta. Uh, maybe. I mean, it's possible. This came out in 82, so... Man, I'm sure they have, like, TV masters on beta. How times have changed, like, 15 years ago, that was your TV master, was a beta. Do you have that on digi-beta? It's in HD. Fuck that. We need a digi-beta. Oh, how things have changed for the better. I mean, I dude, I, I really like having widescreen TVs now. Like, that, it, to me, that, that's amazing. I love that so much. Uh, 4.3, man. Kind of makes you wonder what, what took so long. I guess they were emulating the theater screens back in the day, because they were square back in the day. They had the 4-3 aspect ratio. So, yeah, I guess, it, why did it take them, like, 40, 40 years, you know? <laughs> it's like, hey, guys, what's, what's going on here? When are we going to get an upgrade? It's like, it's like they tried every, we'll, we'll put bars. We don't want the bars. 
Oh, uh, I remember. Those. Do you guys how how many times did you have to have the argument? No, the bars are not. You're not missing any part of the picture. You're actually seeing more of the picture when you're you see the bars. It oh, doesn't dude. fill my screen. I, I realize it doesn't fill your screen, but you're seeing more of the image. I can't tell you how many times I've 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 had to fold a piece of paper into a rectangle, and then fold another one into a square, and go, okay, which one? <laughs> See, you have to make this fit into that, huh? I mean, I guess that's not that's not true for like all films because some of them shoot like super thirty five, and they you actually do see more. Like I think Terminator Two. When you see the uh, two three five crop of that, that's actually cropped because they actually shot on the on the whole image. And but you know that's but it, those early nineties. No, they didn't project it. Even when it was projected in the theater, it was cropped. But you know James Cameron is just such a perfectionist that he's like, well, I'm going to shoot four VHS as well. Uh, and Stan- Stanley Kubrick did that as well. Yeah, Kubrick. But his movies also shown that way a lot of times. Well, yeah, some of the earlier ones did. Yeah. You know. Anyway. Oh my gosh, we just went down a rabbit hole of formats and <laughs> Well, it's but it was a purposeful rabbit hole of formats because Scream Factory has just released an excellent version of the thing. Uh n- newly color timed too. Uh it's a lot bluer than it used to look. We'll try to link to a great article on highdefdigest.com where they review them and they have side-by-side images of both versions. You guys can see it for yourself, but the transfer was supervised by the DP, uh, Dean Cundy, who is no slouch. This guy shot Jurassic Park, Death Becomes Her, Back to the Future. A lot of great people worked on the thing, man. Just had a tremendous cast and crew. And I'm really glad that Scream Factory was able to to put all the extras together for this. They put a lot of work. And they, they looked at not only just John Carpenter. You always get interviews with John Carpenter, and that's great. But it's great to have a commentary just with the DP. It's great to have like talks with the model makers, the sound guy, the editor. It's a nice package they put together for this release. There's so much extra features. You read the back of the box. That's not all the extra features. There's more on that disc. <laughs> There's like an extra commentary they left out. They're Easter egg surprises. Yeah, I know, right? Oh, crap. I've got more than what I thought I was getting. <laughs> One of the extra features I did think was really cool, um, these fans of, of the movie, they have this website called Outpost 31. These guys actually went to British Columbia in Canada where this movie was shot and went to the exteriors and brought back some leftover wreckage from the exploded camp. That's dedication right there. And it was really nice to listen to a commentary with, with Kurt Russell and, and John Carpenter. And I thought that was really informative and really interesting. And uh, uh hour and a half making of the thing. And, and that, that was really good, too. It's definitely... I like how in the in the Carpenter commentary you can just hear him constantly lighting up a smoke like every ten minutes. <laughs> you just hear him like, yeah. and he's pouring himself a drink. I, I don't know what it is, but I'm pretty sure it's not Diet Coke, Diet Pepsi. Oh uh, yeah. man, yeah, definitely. Carpenter's got some style. But do you remember the first time you ever saw the movie? Uh, yeah, yeah. It was uh, my mom showed it to me. It was on, I guess, I think it came on USA. Well, I think it was on USA like every weekend. But yeah, no, it's one I saw on TV uh, for the first time. And then I remember renting it, I think sixth grade, rented it like a bunch, man, on VHS. And whenever Costco's or Price Clubs came out, I remember... The, what the f- hell is a Price Club? It's what Costco... Costco used to be called Price Club. Oh. 
and, and or at least it did in, in Virginia uh, when I was growing up. That's what they were called. And anyway, I was in one first first time ever being in one, and they had a thing on VHS for like ten bucks. At the time, you know, VHSs were still expensive. You know, it was like twenty dollars, twenty five dollars sometimes. I was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. So yeah, no man, this is a it, this is I don't know. It's just a monster movie that I responded to at a young age, and it, there's something there for me as an adult. Going back and watching it now, like now I like the the siege, the cabin in the woods, the the paranoia and distrust that the characters have, and their interaction. That's really what keeps me oh, coming yeah. back. But man, as a kid, it was the there's, monster effects. There's definitely a lot of paranoia and mistrust. <laughs> do you, Paul? Do you remember the first time you ever saw it? Yeah, I actually, uh, I think I watched it with the dude right here back in. Uh, I think we we're in high school. You know, I, I had no idea at the time that the thing was actually a remake. I didn't find that out until later on. The thing is probably my second, definitely my second favorite John Carpenter film. What's number one? Oh, you know what number one is. No, it's number what, Halloween. Halloween. Uh, Halloween. Yeah. yeah. Halloween. That's that's definitely my favorite John Carpenter film. And then top three would be Halloween, The Thing, Big Trouble in China. Those are some good movies, man. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Halloween as well. I, you know, I guess it's like which one I saw last is probably my favorite. <laughs> if it's, is it Halloween or is it the thing? I don't know which one. What was the last one I saw? Halloween's a classic. I think I said this in the uh, Big Trouble Little China episode. Um, that's why John Carpenter is, is labeled the master of horror. And I mean, the the remake of the thing and Halloween are two films that definitely definitely show that. One of my favorite Carpenter movies and. At times, it may actually be my favorite. Is in the Mouth of Madness. That's a really good one. Yeah, Mouth of Madness is good. It's very, very good as well. Depending on you know, like you said, what I, what I saw last, that Halloween or the thing. That's my. Those are my three favorites. I always forget how good Starman is too. I always forget that he even made it. Damn, Starman! Wow, it's been a really, really long time since we've seen that movie. Do yourself a favor and check it out. It's surprisingly good. It holds up really well too. Man, I haven't seen that in probably twenty years. Oh man, Jeff Bridges like knocks it out of the park, dude. Just, I love it. I mean, just I mean, kills it. You have it on Blu-ray? Yeah. Can I borrow it? Yes, yes, you may. Hey, you guys seen the original thing, the thing from another world by Howard Hawks? I have. I, I saw it. Uh, local station here, Channel 3, used to do uh, all-night movies, and I saw it on that one night over at my grandparents' house. I don't like, ha- I don't remember it at other than, like, that dude and that kind of whitish dude. And the... Oh, the monster? Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of, like, all I remember about it. <laughs> the big bald man with uh I don't even really remember, knuckles. like, what the plot is. Uh, he's like a walking carrot, and he's going to make, like, little vegetable carrots, and they're going to take over the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they 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 grow like vegetables. Like they take over. He takes over and starts reproducing in the garden. And these little pods. I don't know. It, it's cheesy, but they, they do a lot of they do a lot of callbacks in the remake. Like the guy running out on fire. The UFO footage they find in the remake is kind of homage to the them finding the the UFO in the ice in the first movie. Well, I mean, Carpenter was a fan of this. Uh, the thing from another world that's actually showing on the TV right. in Halloween. Three years after he made that, he gets he gets to do the remake. May have been something that he'd been thinking about for a while. I think they approached him. Oh, okay. Well, they, blow that idea. Yeah, right. It's that's what's so crazy about it. It's just like, how did that how did that work out? 
Well, they were looking for a director, and they went, hey, he put that in Halloween. I'll bet he likes that movie. Yeah, that's probably exactly what that's happened. That's producer logic. Yeah, okay, I'll buy that. That, that does make sense. Yeah. yeah, see, I don't remember the first time I ever saw it. Like, this is one of those movies I have no memory of not seeing. I mean, I remember like being a kid, lazy Sunday afternoons, it being on TV and just laying around watching it. I can remember going and renting it, but I don't remember like that first time I ever saw it. I mean, even though even though I was like ten or eleven, this this movie still kind of freaked me out the first time I saw it. Yeah, I could definitely see that. It got under my being skin. A ten or eleven year old, so it didn't even affect you like on a fear level. I mean, it may it may have. I just I don't. It's <laughs> just like, one That's of those so movies long, that I you know I watched because it came on so much that. Oh yeah, you know you would lay on the couch and be lazy on a Sunday, and all your friends are grounded or you're grounded, and you know they screen it a lot. I've I've had the had a lot of chances to see this on the big big screen, so always look around Halloween uh, local I, I have never AMC's. Got, never gotten to see it on a big screen. I, I yeah, I recommend it. They did a nice uh, 4K remaster of it that they were showing. I don't actually know if it was a 4K remaster. Remaster. It may have been only a 2K, but they were show they were projecting it on 4K projectors. But it looked great. I mean, that was the first time I noticed that the doctor Cooper had an earring. Oh, you didn't know that? Yeah, I, I watched that thing on like VHS. I don't know how many times, and then see it on the big screen. It's like, hey man, the dude's got an earring. Look at that. Dude's a little hippie. All right, cool. I like that. Now I kind of get why he's in Antarctica now. All right, cool. Yeah, a little layer there. I like it. Yeah, eighty-two. A doctor with an earring. There you go. Little 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 hippie man. The it was the eighties. It was a different time. Different time. <laughs> I do remember the first time I saw the thing not on television. I remember that. I remember renting it one day. We were just sort of. I don't remember why we rented it either. We'd both seen it. Wallace and I were just like, well, let's pick a movie, and we we picked the thing. You wanted to watch a good movie. Once it was on DVD, and just seeing the widescreen and seeing what Carpenter and Dean Cundey were doing with blocking and the shots, because, man, watching this on 4.3 really kind of destroys this movie. That's the only way I saw it until... I know. Maybe a few years ago, actually. When I got the DVD, I was just floored. I was like, what? This is like a new movie. Just having all that framing and see, like seeing those split diopter shots where you're you have focus in two different areas on the left and the far right, and when you get four three, it's like, well, we'll either show you one and you don't get to see the other, or they just do that horrible pan and scan crap where they'll show you one and they they digitally slide the Kinda film over, jerk it over. It's, oh man, I I hated that. It always drove me crazy. Uh, you know, hey, things things with modern technology, these youngins and our kids don't have to worry about, man. They don't know how good they have it. I know. Damn it. You know, talking about all the technology and everything, I'm going to do a, I'm going to do a segue here. This movie's got old effects, man, and they still look good, dude. Chestburster scene, I guess this version this movie's version of that is amazing. The spider head. I think I have They're to so say creative. one of my favorite ones, is, man, is when um He's like laying on the um, laying on the bed, and the doctor, I think it was Doctor Cooper, goes up to him and he's like doing chest compressions or whatever. And like the stomach opens up, bites his hands off. That is just—it's so much imagination in that. The freaking head when the head is like laying on its side, and the little tentacle comes out and grabs the arm of the chair and kind of starts pulling it toward it. So that's pretty interesting. I guess it's like when they say you can't put H.P. Lovecraft on film. It's like, well, bullshit. Yeah. You can if you're a John yeah, Carpenter. Yeah. 
Yeah, and you, and you have Rob Bottin and Dean Cundy. You know, yeah, absolutely. These guys did it. Seeing Wolfer Brimley playing this movie is kind of like really interesting because it doesn't even look like him. It's like you see him now. He's like he's always doing like the diabetes commercials. I was wondering how long it was going to take somebody to bring up Wilfred Brimley and diabetes, <laughs> or or uh, oatmeal. Yeah, was it the Quaker Oats? I think it was the Quaker yeah, Oats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. It's Quaker yeah, Oats. On. If you got diabetes, the diabetes. <laughs> yeah, the diabetes commercials. Like that dude's got like the thickest wire brushes mustache I've ever seen on a human being. Yeah, he's definitely a larger than life character. But it's really interesting to see that dude like without that mustache and younger. It's, it's kind of like weird. Like I, I almost didn't recognize that it was Wolford Brimley at first, and then I seen the name, and I was like, "No way, that's not Wolford." I do diabetic commercial Brimley, and I mean, I do actually. I think he plays a, a really good role in this movie, and I think he does. He does a really good job. Another actor, man, Keith David. That dude's been. God, the movies that guy's been in. That dude's been a shitload of movies, man. He's got that famous uh, forever long fight scene in They Live with uh, Roddy Piper. Rowdy. Yeah. Roddy Piper. But he will be. Yeah. He will always be rowdy. Vince is like, <laughs> no, look. I got sad when he passed away, man. I loved him in, in They Live. I mean, he's got one of the best lines in cinema history as far as I'm concerned. I've come here to kick ass and chew bubblegum. Chew bubblegum. All out of bubblegum. All out of bubblegum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's also weird to see see uh, see that dude without a kilt on too. Without a kilt on, yeah, yeah. So was that his wrestling yeah. thing? I take it he wore a kilt. Yeah, he was yeah. he was Scottish. Yeah. Oh, all right. He'd have his uh, to watch white rowdy rowdy hot rod t shirt with his yep. kilt, his wrestling boots, and he'd get to the ring and he'd take his kilt off and. Like, really loud and eccentric. Like he was so good on the mic, they ended up giving him his own little interview segment called Piper's Pit, where he would bring people in just to interview them and make fun of them. Yeah. Nice. Pretty much, yeah. You know, like, we're talking about the the, the thing's got a great cast. Cinem- oh, yeah. Cinematography's great. Direction's great. One of the things that, w- that hardly ever gets kind of brought up when we're talking about great movies, and I think this is a good example of like where it really shines it's got a good screenplay too like this movie even nope. the way it starts with the the helicopter chasing the dog trying to shoot the dog it's already playing yep. with your your emotions like nobody wants to see the dog shot and you're going why are they trying to shoot like i've seen this movie probably a hundred times and every time i'm like no don't shoot the dog you know just in the writing process of what they're what they're going to present to you at what time and it, it just really works as it, it unlayers itself. Uh, I, I see what you're saying. No, the script is really, really well done. What's his yeah, name? Bill Lancaster yeah, yeah. did it. Yeah, um, I think so. It is, it is good. It's just, I don't know. With everything else on display, it, it, it is, it is really easy to overlook it. You know what I mean? Well, that's what I'm saying. It's this is one of the ones where the script provides such a strong backbone for everybody to build something on. It is. I mean, you know, I'm just saying, like that's. Usually don't talk about the screenplays. There's there is so much other stuff to talk about in the film, but that is that is a good point. I mean, yes, the actors do a good job of making the characters feel lived in, but the screenplay with their interactions, how the thing works, you know, even and how that's explained to the audience. Um, really, I mean, outside of 
I know everybody complains about the computer screen, but really outside of that, oh, like, yeah. you think about all the information that's given to the audience in different formats. Like right. you're talking about the dog, but they go back to the Norwegian base and how that's told out of order. It's not like that in the book well, I will say, or the original movie. So uh, that, that that's a, a choice that the screen uh, that Bill uh, Lancaster put in there. You know, it right. makes the exposition go faster in the beginning of the film. But also, it also creates. You're you're getting you know all that stuff, but you're getting it in just such interesting interesting ways that are that are already making your emotions play off tilt. They're shooting at the dog, and at first you're like, "What? Well, why are you shoot? Don't shoot the dog. These people are evil. What are they hunters? What are they?" But then when like later, like the guy's getting out of the car, the helicopter, and he's got the hand grenade. You're like, "This dude's serious about killing this dog," and your brain sort of switches to, "What's wrong with this dog?" And then when they start protecting the dog, it's like, no, find out what's going on, guys. There's something wrong with that dog. Like, just within those shots, in that sequencing, sequencing of events, your emotions and your your interest has kind of been taken through a couple of different areas. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree with that. And they even play up on that uh, throughout that entire beginning until you get the reveal of what the dog is. Like, you yeah. constantly get shots of the dog and... To remind you, like, he's there in the room with the guys. Yeah, and you know by the time, like, something, there is something wrong with the dog toward the end, you know, the end of, like, the opening, not the opening, but the first few minutes of the movie. Yeah. And now it sort of becomes that that shadow in the room of, guys, y'all need to be paying attention to that. There's there's something wrong. That's going to kill you. That's Cujo. That's not old Geller. Get, pay attention. And then its face melts off. <laughs> And you're like, I wish it was Cujo or Old Yeller. Right. It's just one of those movies that the visuals are so the visuals are so good. They're very memorable. But it's also one of those movies that everything from the script to the acting, the casting, the directing, all of that came together and made made it something special. And then when it came out, everybody fucking hated it. <laughs> it kind of bombed in the box office. Okay, okay. I, I, I do take a little issue with that. It did not it didn't bomb. It it did break even. Everybody likes to say it flops. Like even even Carpenter himself says it, it tanked and it flopped. But if you if you look at the numbers, it made like nineteen domestically. But it made it made over it made over fifty million worldwide on a budget. I think of nineteen. So it, it made its money back eventually. Yeah, yeah. It didn't make a whole lot, but it made its money back. You know, I've never I never paid attention to what it did when it. I don't know that story at all. Well, okay, it got really fucked in 82. Three weeks before the movie came out, Poltergeist opened. Two weeks before the movie came out, E.T. opened. Mm. The weekend it opened, it was opening against Blade Runner. Mm. Harrison Ford, fresh off of Star Wars and Raiders of the Lost Ark. So Spielberg fucked the thing in the ass. Yes, he did. (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spielberg just bent. Well, it's crazy too, is because it's Universal. That's Spielberg Studio. Yeah, the thing they, is, they released Universal. ET. Guys, guys, what were you thinking? Yeah, just a huge fuck up. Although I was, thank you, Scream Factory, for filling me in on this because I didn't know this. Um, but they actually talked about it's because Cat People that Paul Schrader, the guy that wrote Taxi Driver, right. needed that remake of Cat People. Apparently, it was just falling apart production wise, and the studio was losing their mind over it so they moved the thing up 
you know, they didn't, I'm sure they rushed marketing on it. So I'm sure it didn't get all the time it needed to really, really push the movie. But I mean, even still, when it came out, like you can call it a flop box office wise, but I mean, really what killed it's the critics, man. The critics hated this film. There were quite a few bad reviews for the thing. And Carpenter kind of blames the, the horror fans for screaming sacrilege that he's remaking a classic. Echoes today's mentality toward remakes, I think, as well. Yeah, the time is showing that this movie has become a cult classic, and and it does definitely have a uh, a following of fans. We talked about the cast. We didn't, we haven't even mentioned fucking Kurt Russell, John Carpenter's yeah. Clint Eastwood. Yeah, he kind of is. He kind of is. You know, I, I like I like the movies they do together, man. They're, Sorry, they're I, I had I had zoned out on a thought here and. Are you going to share that thought, or are you just going to say? Yeah, I mean, I'll share it. I don't, I don't know if I want you to put it on the podcast, but oh. I, like all three of us like this movie, right? Yeah. Okay. Paul just said it's formed a cult following. A lot of people like it, but you said when it first came out, it was critically panned. Like, you know, the critics didn't like it. It didn't make a huge, huge box office splash. How possible is it that our generation's view of a good movie has been shaped? by these B-movies that we watched growing up that was considered bad at the time, but now we think are great. Has that shifted the idea of what is good in movie through the through the two generations? Well, I don't know. I think it's more or less like people at the time maybe didn't get the movie. Well, to answer your question about the generation thing... It's nostalgia for the that filmmaking generation because if you look at like what's what Spielberg loved that was considered right. B in the serials, and then what he did, and he made it into like A list, and then the next generation and what he's inspired and what you know what I mean. It, it and Carpenter's inspired you know like this generation. You see some ripoff sometimes. Yeah. yeah, I think it's that nostalgia for what you love as a child, which you know then takes the idea of our kids' generation growing up. What's their idea of like a good movie gonna be compared to like? Oh, dude, you're getting ready to see it, man. Power Rangers, dude. <laughs> you know, like Batman versus Superman <laughs> came out and critics panned it, people hated it, but my kid loves it. So, you know, in 30 years, is that gonna be known as like, oh, it's a cult classic? And here are these movies that I don't copy know, dude. It. I don't know, dude. As a kid, it's I really liked a... the He Man movie, but uh, <laughs> as an adult, fuck that movie. That movie is garbage. Hey, man, don't you be talking smack about Masters of the Universe, all right? Dolph Lundgren, Meg, Meg Foster. No, man, dude, we're just, we, we need to talk about They Live. We just keep bringing up They Live actors here. Or maybe I just do. <laughs> so let's play the trailer. Uh, take a break. We're going to come back, and we're going to spoil the hell out of this movie. If you haven't seen it, what the hell are you listening to this podcast for? Go see it. It's a masterpiece. One of the greatest movies ever made. Inside, 
where no one can see it, or hear it, or feel it. I know I'm human. Some of you are still human. This thing doesn't want to show itself. It wants to hide inside an imitation. It'll fight if it has to, but it's vulnerable out in the open. If it takes us over, then it has no more enemies. Nobody left to kill it. And then it's one. You guys gonna listen to Gary? He can beat one of those things! All right, we're back. We're talking John Carpenter's The Thing. Guys, title card? How awesome is it? The Thing burning on? Yeah, that's like 80s gold. I love the way the thing comes up, and it's interestingly done. I mean, you want me to get into, like, breakdown? Like, I love how it both evokes the 50s vibe of the sci-fi, plus it's got, like, that, you know, new new feel from the early 80s of, like, ooh, this is, like, technology, and we're getting some cool shit here, but yet it's still a retro throwback, and the design, is that what you're wanting me to talk about? There or? you go! See, that's, 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 that's what we're talking about right there. Yes, it is, it is a retro, because it is just like the title from the Howard Hawks one. The thing I love so much about it is, like, the burn trash bag effect that they used is how it's got that organic, like, sticky... So, like, in between the words, you'll get a piece of goo that's in between the letters, I think that's cool, man. It's like a little foreshadowing. 80s gold. <laughs> 80s gold. I feel like we need to have a new stamp for 80s movies now. This is 80s gold. This is 80s gold all the way. But, uh, okay, you know what? We guess we should talk, just go a little bit into into the movie. It's about an alien that takes over your body. It, it takes over and replicates. In all seriousness, I do kind of want to talk about what you guys think, what this alien does. I, I'm not really sure. I'm not going to answer this. Man, I've had so many conversations about what does the thing do? How does it take over your body? Well, because the doctor says, it's, or the scientist, one of them says, that it, it replicates living organisms. You see, here's it's trying to replicate the dog. And I don't know. Does it kill you, devour you, and then replicate you? And like, how can it? How can it replicate things of like, different mass? When it's attacking that one dude, it looks like it's tearing him apart. I mean, his face is all like swollen, and the tentacles are still around him. But then everybody else, when you see them later, they're they're fine. They look fine. So I don't know if it's it's destroying and consuming the original body and then regenerating to look like it, or if it's just possessing. Well, it's not. It's not possessing. Well, I mean, that would almost say it's like a parasitic. Way. It's like a parasitic organism. It's but just they, feeding off its host. Well, they have that computer screen in there, right? Right. Where the cell like goes around, it zaps other cells, right. and then they're alien cells. It's got the alien virus or whatever this creature it's, is. Well, that's what made me think that it was, you know, basically destroying the old you, creating a new you, and then acting as you. How does it? How does it make things of different mass? This is why the critics said this movie sucked. Because, like, yeah, you just convinced me. Fuck this movie. <laughs> well, it's just, it's, it's always one of those, like, it's, it's not really explained. And the computer, the computer screen thing really kind of just throws it out. Uh, you, see the, the, you know what I mean? To me, that's, it's like, while I'm watching it, the, the movie gives me enough to go on that, okay, I don't, I don't want to ask. I want to just go along with it. But then, yeah, there is that afterwards, like, okay, does it? destroy your cells and then it, it kind of manipulates this i don't understand what it's doing i only got that it like kind of like absorb them it absorbs it, it, the cells and then kind of like transforms them into the alien cell 
even if, if you transform, like they go a little bit into in the book who goes there and they explain it a little bit better to address the mass issue. Like it can take over like any piece of mass because every time a piece of it gets in a different object or a different biological entity, it, it just, it'll replicate within there much like a virus will. It devours your 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 cells to to make morph cells, and then it replicates those cells to continue on. Yeah, and that's why it was replicating the dogs. And it, it's like weird because it's like plant like when the dog first transforms. Like it, it almost has like this plant like a flower like feature. Well, yeah, I think that's that's well, that's something that's kind of cool like about the design of the whole. F- it, like all of them is like it's mimicking different organisms at different different times so i guess when it's like trying to like take out keith you're talking about like when uh keith david comes in there and tries to like flamethrower it and it's got that little suction thing that comes out at him and it kind of looks like a flower and it's like going for his head yeah that part and then when you first when it first transforms like its face kind of opens up oh 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 i know what you're talking about yeah and, and its skull falls yeah. out oh man that's so fucking gross <laughs> That is such a gross shot. Uh, it is. <laughs> you know what's even grosser, though? The one part I really hate about in the dog scene that's even worse, it kind of gives me the heebie-jeebies, is when those little red vines come out from under its oh, body. Like little tentacles. Oh, dude, those little spaghetti. Little, and it starts getting the dogs. Yeah. Oh, man, that's... Oh, that gets it here? Yeah, something about that. It's just like, oh, that's disturbing. No vein imagery for you, huh? No. <laughs> No, no, not not so much my thing. I mean, what are those things supposed to be like? I mean, I, I assume they were like kind of like tentacles. Yeah, I think it's just like whatever life it's it's found. I guess like you know maybe it found like a crazy octopus on some crazy planet and it imitated that once or you know. Yeah, it, I just kind of thought it was like yeah. the filmmaker's way to make it be able to reach a long distance. Well, they do, but I mean, I don't know. It's like they they give things really specific. Like designs, and they they do callbacks later. Like even at the end of the movie, when the giant worm creature comes up, it's like part worm, part Blair, part T Rex, and then one of the dogs right opens up out of its belly, and it's got like yeah. this weird smorgasbord of like all these different things. It's like oh, some of those I recognize, you know. So I, I don't know. That's what always gave me that idea of. Yeah, I've always yeah. kind of well, thought well, of well, them as the vein tentacle things. <laughs> And that, that in itself is, is kind of creepy. I think I think one of the uh, things that I thought was kind of like a, a, a little bit creepy to me, um, the doctor's kind of doing the uh, autopsy on the body, and you get that, that face shot, and it almost has looks like elephant man faces, like the face is all warped and distorted oh, and okay, like stretched yeah. out. I'm just still blown away by the, uh, by the makeup and, and special effects in this movie. Considering that it's 1982, I mean, they look amazing, and I think it still holds up damn good. Yeah, all the makeup effects I, I really like. Some of the some of the matte shot stuff, like I love the UFO in the beginning. I think that looks great. Like because the, the film does. starts off with the UFO crashing, that that surprisingly looks amazing still. Like, I mean, you can tell yeah, like some does. of it's hand drawn, the See, I like, I like, swish <clears throat> effects, but I actually prefer yeah. the matte. Where they're looking down at the big crash ship in the ice more than the opening shot. Yeah, some of those, some of those, you can tell the matte lines. Um, some of them are kind of bad. See, to me, I'll take that kind of bad over the hand-drawn cartoon. Well, it was just the engine part and the 
and the fire. Of, well, I guess it's the fire effect at the end too when it hits the atmosphere. I'm gonna go back, and we're talking about like things that we like. What do you think about the? Because I I think it's brilliant to have them have to go find the Norwegian, the Swedish camp. Oh yeah, they're in Antarctica. Mm-hmm. No one's around. You've already established that they're having a hard time com- make communication, and then you find this camp that's just totally destroyed. The people are all dead. Everything's burned. Oh yeah, there's like axes in the door, so holes you, in the wall. So you've taken that position of being separated from the rest of society. You're trapped. You're you're there to deal with the elements on your own, and just upped it. And I don't know. It just adds a level of intensity to it at that point you know you were saying earlier jeremy that um it almost makes you feel bad for the dog because this guy this this guy this norwegian dude in this helicopter is like freaking captain ahab for this damn dog i mean he's sitting there shooting at the dog he's dropping grenades at the dog and then that's how he ends up blowing his helicopter up which that that helicopter blew up fairly easy from that shitty looking grenade Oh, it had all that kerosene in it. Yeah, is that what it was supposed to be? Yeah, I guess if you look at I mean, it, that's why the the grenade blows up, and then there's a beat, and then the helicopter explodes. Uh, uh. Yeah, like if there's anything to me to complain about in that scene is that the idiot threw the grenade behind him. Well, you know he's got he's got gloves yeah. on, man. They didn't have those uh, fill grips. <laughs> like, of <laughs> like all did. the stuff. To complain about, dude, the helicopter blew up. That's so. No, the, what's dumb is the dude that didn't throw the grenade forward. Well, you know, hey, you, ha- you yeah. have accidents, man. You know, the, and the grenade just slips out of his hand. You know, when you do it, it toss it back. It's like, whoops. That, 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 that is one of the one shots in the movie. I'm like, ah, y'all could have done something else. Oh man, I like that. Uh, that bothers me every time I see it. Oh no, see, I, I really, I really enjoy that. I think that's awesome. Man, they're so tired. They've been out there for so long. You know, I mean. But at that point, you haven't like, established uh, any of that. You just, I know. You just well, have you don't, a dude jump you don't, out and drop a, drop a live hand grenade, and you're like, what a fuck. But that's what's so great about but the to me, thing. Like, like, you don't know the helicopter. It takes out of the movie every time I see it. And uh, I go, who's the idiot that would drop a hand grenade? It slips out yeah, of his yeah, hand. Yeah, you think about that. <laughs> well, I mean, if you have gloves on. Defend it all you want. I mean, I, no, I mean, I, I've seen that in other movies, man. I mean, I'm not, I don't know. I don't have a problem with that at all whatsoever. I, I did want to touch on the characters and how quick you can establish who these people are in the camp. Like, he plays stereotypes in the very beginning scenes to really quickly identify people and then watching them grow as the movie progresses to see the child's character. Keith David, he's always arguing with people. And then he kind of wins you over by the end of the movie. Yeah, he does. And he even McCready is like does. a Especially, drunk in a shack. Yeah, he does. Mac, Mac does uh, a lot of damn drinking. Yeah, McCready's like, I like even even when he's leaving the tape recorder message, right? Just <laughs> for a record for somebody else to find. He's drinking some Jim Bean. He's like, yeah, you know. And you got uh, Palmer, the, the, com- the complete stoner. I guess, I guess he's another helicopter pilot. I'm not 100 yeah, sure man, what, that what dude, his role was. That dude, that dude is smoking a dupe in that movie that would make Bob Marley proud. I even like when they call out why they keep uh, asking Kurt Russell's character these questions. He's like, man, I don't know. Ask the smart scientist guy. The whole first half of this movie before shit hits the fan is is really well done. Like even the the fades in the movie, 
uses dips to white and exteriors, and then insides he's got these nice fades. And if you notice, like he's either he's either fading on a character being asked about the thing and them not giving an answer, piece of the thing's body or the dog, and you'll get these fade outs. And then later in the movie, you'll 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 get the fade outs, and then you won't know where the characters are. They'll show these these time passings where the characters are not all in the in the same room. I feel like he's always. And when I say he, I mean uh, Carpenter and and crew. Are they're always they're always leaving somebody out of frame for you to, to? Oh man, is it this guy or is, or is it this guy? I don't know. But they're both gone. Yeah, I really like the fact that there is a um, a horror mystery. You know, the monster can look like anything and imitate anything. It's like, so who's the alien? Which leads to that awesome blood test scene, uh, which is, man, that's, that's got to be, the, that's my highlight of the movie for me. This is pure nonsense. Doesn't prove a thing. I thought you'd feel that way, Gary. You were the only one that could have got to that blood. We'll do you last. It is, man. Uh, and that's a very, very, very suspenseful scene, too. Seeing which one's blood actually, you know, tests positive or which one blood tests negative, you know. That's a, that's I thought that was intense a scene. brilliant scene. Yeah, but one character that, that, you know, you're almost kind of weary of the entire time is, is the character Clark. You know, the guy that uh, deals oh. with the dogs and stuff. Yeah. Even Blair's character um, tells, tells, uh, Mac, he's like, you know, you need to watch out for Clark because he's probably the one that's going to turn. Yeah, after he's already gone crazy. <laughs> yeah. He just he gets to the computer screen, tells him that the world is going to end if this thing gets out and that someone is probably infected. And uh, yeah, he, he 75% goes, chance. Yeah, right. <laughs> 75% chance someone is infected. I mean, you know, I, I look. I know the computer's a little cheesy. I really just don't have a problem with it. It's, it, you know, it's a nice little nostalgic touch. I know everybody hates it, but I, I'm all right with it. Yeah. Well, I would have to say, you know, that's the only thing that I feel like in the entire movie that that really didn't stand the test of time. Yeah, and and the chess wizard that I was just thinking, <laughs> he pouring the drink in the chess wizard. Oh yeah, the chess wizard. Look. When Blair gets thrown in the cabin. He's got the no- the noose yeah. when they go back, and it's just yeah. constantly dangling in the shot. <laughs> just sitting back there. He's it's like, "Oh no, hey, guys, look, I'm all better now. I'm all good." Yeah, like when uh when Max talking to him when he's holding the flare through like the little the door slot. Yeah, that's that's so good, man. That's just a it's they're not they're not a lot of com- uh, comedic moments in this movie, but that's a good one. Yeah. They're built in. Yeah, there's there's that one. You got to be fucking kidding me when they see the spider head walk off. You got to be fucking kidding. Yeah, that that was that was pretty good, dude. Which, oh man, that dude, that's just pretty such bad. a cool shot. But you know what? After I watch the commentary, I can't unsee the mask. It's yeah. an amputee without arms, and there's a wide shot in there, and they just put a prosthetic mask of the actor playing the doctor on this guy, so they could get that shot with his arms cut off. And if you look at it. I mean, it's a real quick shot now. If you look at it, right at his face when it cuts to after he gets his arms cut off, it looks so bad. It's the only thing I've been able to really spot in the movie. Oh, I'll have to look at that. But I, yeah, the yeah, only I reason even... I knew about it is because of the commentary, though. Like, I've, I've seen this movie probably 50 times before that and never noticed it. Yeah, I never noticed that until, until I saw it in the commentary either. It's like, once you see it there, it's like, damn it. I always wondered, like, yeah. son of a bitch. If the thing can 
suddenly turn a stomach into a giant scissored mouth. You think it could use itself to turn into more interesting weapons later in the movie when it's being I don't know. threatened? It, it it usually like always forms some kind of mouth and a tentacle. That's yeah. usually like always in the mix. They're like, yeah, we need we need teeth, jaws of death, and a and a tentacle. Like if it thought of some like Terminator Two, like jabbing spikes. I don't know if it can make spears or knives. It could make like fingernail type jabber. I guess if it's like six foot claw. Well, I guess if it's like been with the organism, because like it can't just imitate anything, because it, it it doesn't just imitate the guys. It's like it has to attack them first. So what was it imitating with the giant four foot mouth in the stomach? I I would say it's it's like some kind of creature's mouth that it it just put there, because it, it it'll just like. But it can't just put some kind of creature's claw. If it it caught a if it had a creature that did that, like it would have been cool to see like a dog claw. You see the dog's paw kind of turn into a. Oh, that's a, that's a right. Hand. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It does it does have that. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I guess it was uh it was like you know tentacles are the way to go. I'm just more experienced with tentacles. I've absorbed more squids and octopi than. I'll fight you with my whips instead of killing. You know, I mean, and hey. I can't remember which character it was, but it was the. Uh, the character Windows, he walks up in and finds the the one dude, and I can't remember his name. Bennings. But uh, well, when they go out and find him, like his hands, like the first thing that's changed on him kind of is his hands. Like his hands are like these like really long looking fingers. You know, but he only has like three fingers on each hand. Well, that's the shot that I was talking about that made me think that it first destroys the organism and then reforms as it. Because when he comes in and first sees Benning, it looks like it's killing him painfully. And then... When yeah, they but, find him, he it's reforming into him. And like you just said, it hasn't finished reforming yet. Yeah. I really, really noticed and I really thought it was awesome how each one of them, like the dog, the dog almost makes this like cicada kind of sound. And the humans, when they, when they get, uh, when, when the thing gets them, every one of their sounds are different. None of their sounds are the same. And every one of them like really creepy. The tentacle stuff and the uh, just the slime of sound effects are kind of gross. This movie yeah. is just kind of gross. Ooh, speaking of sound, what do you what do you want to talk about? Carpenter score? Uh, it's not Carpenter score. He oh, didn't... it's not. No, no, no. Oh, I totally I re- missed that. Nope. Yeah, no, that's done by. Uh... Sounds a lot like a Carpenter score. Well, he he did a couple cues, um, dun, dun. and it is it's Murakoni uh, from the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, kind of doing his Carpenter thing. And he's worked with uh, synth stuff before. I think he. I think there's. Did, and did you say Carpenter wrote a couple of them? Yeah, he had to write a couple of the cues, but I wouldn't really call it music. It's just kind of like sustained notes with. Because the know. thing that rang to me that made me think he wrote it is that dun 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 dun. Yeah, the main theme. Yeah, because he. I mean, you know, he, he yeah. usually writes that kind of repetitive synth music. You gonna go check him out on tour? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe. You'll see a John Carpenter concert. You know, if if he if he comes through. I, I liked his last two albums, so I want. I just want to know if he he's got had a resurgence here in his popularity. I just want to know if he if he does the thank you Cleveland. If he does uh, the Big Trouble and Little 
Little China song, I, I would definitely go. I would love to see John Carpenter rock out with a guitar in his late 60s, man, just shredding the guitar. Big trouble in Little China. I would love it, dude. Oh, my voice cracked. Ooh, I need to drink some water. The lovely and wonderful hat that uh, Kurt Russell decides he wants to wear that makes him look like a gold miner, you know, <laughs> like he's one of the fucking original <laughs> 49ers and shit. Yeah, yeah I know uh, that hat is a little bit ridiculous. I don't think he was too pleased about wearing that, though. I wouldn't have been too damn pleased about wearing that fucking hat either. I was just waiting to see him fucking panning for gold and shit. Yeah, I think they shot some second unit stuff with uh, a stand-in wearing the hat. So I think he was stuck with the hat. Like it or not, you have to deal with it now, Kurt. <laughs> it, does, it does add a little bit of style to him. You know, all the characters have their own little style. It's, it's well done. It's a nice ensemble piece um, from an all-male cast. And literally all male cast. <laughs> Which, you know, I, I, I like that. I, I think that adds like a little bit of tension here. You know, it's like that barbaric male brain that... That's Alpha the male. Yeah, right? That's the story, right? We're all, we're all just savage men. Is there anything else you guys want to get, hit, hit on before we go, go into the end? I mean, other than almost Scooby-Doo mystery of who is it, paranoia that plays through it. Well, you know, they do such a good job of that because in the script, the people they take out almost right away outside of the guy that was with the dog the entire time are the heads the doctor and the i guess the guy that runs the place the guy with the pop gun the head of palmer calls yeah so you just stuck with some dudes like the fuchs guy is obviously some kind of scientist you don't really go into like what his field is and and you know as the viewer you know kurt is gonna be the hero guy but yeah. You don't really trust anybody else. You keep waiting on everybody else. And they do a good job with, uh, what's his name? The Colonel? Gary. Uh, Gary. They do a good job with yeah. him, like, making you think you need to kill that guy. That blood test seat is so great because he's the last one. Well, it, it's it's played so well that, like, and normally in a scene like that, you would be surprised to find out who the the it is. And this, you're honestly surprised that it's not him. Yeah, they're they're all standing there too. Like, man, we're gonna fucking cook your oh, ass. Yeah. <laughs> they're ready, dude. You almost expect Hell them yeah, to cook him and then find out he was okay. I know you gentlemen have been through a lot, and when you find the time, I'd rather not spend the rest of this winter tied to this fucking couch. Well, well, Max shoots freaking Clark in the head, and and he he wasn't even. He was just a normal human. Well, yeah, he, he was, was also going to stab him with a scalpel. I've always been kind of jealous of Kurt Russell's beard in this movie. Yeah. I can't ever grow a beard that looks that fucking awesome. Kurt Russell is the man's man. In the book, the the creature copies, uh, copies you perfectly, and they do a really good job. There's a hint of that in the movie. I always liked when Norris has the heart attack. Like, the thing uh-huh. copied his heart so good. That it, it copied a fail, failing heart. But I've also gotten arguments mm. from people where they were like, oh, no, man, that's just the thing taking him over. I don't know. I liked my version better, and I can yeah, support I it I by like the book. I think I like your version better. <laughs> I haven't read the book, but... Yeah, it's uh, it's real quick read, man. It's, it's not even 100 pages. It's real... Well, you said it's a novella, right? Yeah. I highly recommend it. It's it's good. It's got the blood test scene is in the book. It's at the very end. Well, I guess we should, uh, we should go ahead and just jump into the most nihilistic ending of all time just like just leaving you i mean at the end of the movie it's 
that's the real big question everyone already has, right? That's the big thing everybody talks about this film. Who is the thing at the end? Or is anybody the thing? Are they both human? Are they both things? Is one of them the thing? Yeah, I think they're both human. The hopefulness me in me I wants to agree with you. Yes, I think they're both human. But even still, they're going to die. <laughs> they're going to freeze to death in like a couple of hours. What well, if he's a thing, then according to the logic in the movie, he'll freeze until somebody thaws him out. Yeah, which makes sense. It's what happened before. But so if, if one of them is human and one of them is a thing, then the human will die and the other one will freeze until somebody thaws it out. They'll end the world then. Right. Setting it up for the possible sequel. Instead, it got a prequel. It did get a prequel. Did you guys see the thing prequel? I did not. No. If you're a fan of this movie, I would say you owe it to yourself to watch it. It has enough interesting things. It's not as good as this movie, though, man. It's no nowhere nowhere near the quality of this film. Story wise, does it? Uh, well, no. That's I mean, that's the thing it got criticized a lot for was that it repeated the plot of this film. I I didn't mind that, and I actually like some of the things they do different. Like they do the blood test in in the prequel, but they don't use a blood test. It's you know they find out through another another means, and I like that. I thought that was smart, and there were some transformations that were pretty cool but overall the cgi was just it was kind of uncreative and now the the split the split faced guy the elephant man yeah that now that scene that disturbs me uh, it's it's a little it's ruined a little bit by a cgi effect in the middle of it but it it, it is a disturbing scene but no it, it's it's not it's not terrible it's just not this movie but i love like i love how this movie ends it's it is a downer ending it's bleak yeah, I don't really see how you could end it any other way except for maybe, you know, the god in the machine sending a helicopter in and saving the day, which would have sort of sucked. And they shot that. And then, like, they even shot it to where Kurt Russell was getting saved and he did a blood test and he was all clear. He had no thing in him. So. But this feels like the right ending. Yeah. I think it's a, I think it's a powerful yeah, ending. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed the ending of this. Yeah, it was kind of like a little bit of a bleak outcome for both of them. I still enjoyed, I, I, I still greatly enjoyed the ending of this. Fire's got the temperature up all over the camp. Won't last long, though. Neither will we. How will we make it? Maybe we should. worried about me if we've got any surprises for each other i don't think we're in much shape to do anything about it and of course you can go online and there's man there's so many freaking theories on on who's the thing and man there's like all these there's sites where you can figure out like people have figured out like where people well i guess not really figured out they have theories on when people became infected and things like that and i don't know that's that's kind of the fun of rewatching this movie there's just enough not answered that leaves you when you you know watch it and rewatch it. You your imagination gets to fill in the blanks. That's always you know that's always fun for you know watching a movie and it's almost like audience participation. I feel like Carpenter did maybe hide some story elements on purpose, or even maybe it was a screenwriter. They they hid these story elements on purpose and threw the makeup out, so you could see all of that. Like a lot of times you talking about see the monster. It's either it's usually either. They don't show it and leave it to your imagination, or they show too much and it just sort of ruins it. This is one of the rare examples where they showed it 
a lot and it really doesn't ruin it. It sort of makes it makes it. Yeah. And make it intelligent too with like Blair building the the spaceship. Yeah. In his cabin. I thought that was really cool like, "Oh, hey, this thing, you know, it, I mean, well, it, it has to, you know, be a little bit smart because it can speak English, obviously. It can learn their language." And in the book, they actually answer that by the creature having some kind of telepathy and it can like read your mind. Of course. Yeah. But, you know, I, I thought they, you know, you can't do that really in a movie. Well, I mean, I guess, well, I guess you can. Dreamcatchers, not a very good movie, but the whole mo- mind thing in that film with the character, like, locking his memories away in his yeah. mind, I thought that was done beautifully visually. Like, I mean, that was put on screen so well. Not a very good movie, though. But, I mean, see it for that alone. I mean, those, those sequences are, are brilliant. And while it is a better book, it's still not a very good book. Yeah, I guess that's what you get the first book back from being hit by a van. Way to go. <sighs> now he's just using that as an excuse. <laughs> right. He, he probably had that like, he's like, ah, oh, you know what? I'll, this is a perfect chance to reach that shitty book <laughs> that I wrote. Oh, yeah, he said he wrote, he wrote it longhand, sitting in his kitchen with his legs stuck out in front of him in a wheelchair. <sighs> no pun intended on it being a shitty book. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I guess, gentlemen, uh, do a roundtable closing thoughts, Paul. Yeah, um, the thing, it's a, a very good movie. It's a, it's an interesting story. Everything is great, down from the screenplay to the special effects to the directing to the lighting, and and once again, Screen Factory put an amazing, amazing Blu-ray out for it. I recommend on checking that out if you're a fan of the movie and. Uh, picking that up the movie has a lot of substance and it, it makes you think about you know if you were put in a bad situation uh can you actually trust people or not and it, it kind of is a bit of a thought-provoking film it, it's fun it's enjoyable to watch all around great great mystery horror film benson i think it's the perfect example of a fan of 1950s b-movies getting to remake it and putting a lot into it, trying to take that B-movie up a level. The story itself does a really good job of playing on the idea of, like, cabin fever and, you know, turning on each other and self-preservation and who can you trust. And those monster effects will stick with you forever. Scream Factory did a great job, as usual. Great Blu-ray, and, you know, it's always a fun movie. Mr. Elkins? I've just seen this so many times... I love the performances, Dean Cundy's cinematography, Rob Bottin's amazing effects work. I mean, the guy did the transformation in The Howling. Dude is 22 years old here, people. Worked seven days for uh, seven days a week for a year. Had to be hospitalized for exhaustion afterwards. His work is amazing. I'm sure it took forever to shoot. Uh, Carpenter and them complained that it did, but it was worth it. And I'm glad that it's gone on and, and gotten all the respect and love that it, it, it did deserve because it did not get that first time out critically. Um, and it was not a box office success. It wasn't a huge success story for him. He took this in stride, did a couple more studio movies afterwards, but you know, this and Big Trouble in Little China kind of responsible for him going back to indies. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just glad it, it's gotten its life and its, its fans now and... Um, Man, just dude, thank Scream Fat. I think we all, all the fans for the thing. I just want to say thank you 
for putting out this fucking release. It's amazing. The extra features from every fucking release that's ever been out. And they made a whole bunch of new content here. The commentaries, the picture quality. We're talking about the picture. They had the original 4.1 soundtrack here from Restored Elements. This movie has never sounded this good. Yes, I, I, I cannot wait to see what they do with Carrie when that comes out. I am so looking forward to that. Um, we'll probably, probably be They're reviewing that. They're all going to laugh at you. <laughs> we'll just put that on loop. So you guys have been listening to the Movie Crew Podcast. You guys want to get in touch with us. Our email address is themoviecrew at gmail.com. That's themoviecrew. Crew is spelled C-R-E-W-E. Extra E at the end at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter. Guys, please do us a huge favor. Go over to iTunes. Rate us. Give us a f- whatever you think you- we deserve. Give us a rating. It helps Five people- stars. <laughs> the best one. <laughs> but it helps people find out about the show. We would really, really appreciate that. Five stars. <laughs> subliminal message. Five stars. I think, I think we need to work on our subliminal messaging. <laughs> Five stars. So, Benson. What? Where can they follow you, sir? I'm on Twitter at... J. Edward Benson, at J. Edward Benson on Twitter. Oh, my gosh. So, uh, haven't been on Twitter for a while, huh? <laughs> All the time. No, I haven't I haven't looked in a while. Oh, my goodness. Paul, where can they find you, sir? Uh, yeah, they can find me on Twitter as well. Um, it'll be at Paul R. Williams, J1. All right, thank you so much for listening. And, like always, we're going to close the show out with a little bit of Diddy here. I think we're going to do the theme from The Thing by Enrico Maricone. I think is how you pronounce that Italian's name. I'm not 100% sure. Enjoy. <laughs>